Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? It's good, Dennis. How about you? How are you, how are you doing this week? Not too bad. Not too bad. Did my you get uh, to play any my, good good video games or anything? Um, I mean. Sort of depends on your perspective. Um, my, <laughs> well, I'm talking about your perspective, Dennis. How sure, did, how sure. From your perspective, uh, we are on the cusp of the new World of Warcraft expansion, Shadowlands. Oh, right. Yeah, right. You're right. I and I, back when um, we, uh, you know, a group of us did WoW Classic and then transitioned yeah. into what they call WoW Retail, just yeah. you know, not classic, right. the normal to not say normal right they say retail yeah um and i bought the collector's edition of shadowlands holy back, moly you, back you then, went full when, on it when we were still playing it all the time i was like well i'll definitely play this like now zon and peter oh, that's playing right. and you were and that's right ben sure. ben rolled up an alt and we were all playing and um you know, and then we took a break for a while. I had finally canceled my subscription like two months ago when we were all going to play uh, Final Fantasy. I still Fantasy have not canceled 14. my Final Fantasy subscription yet. So i i did I did that the same day that I resubscribed to WoW. I'm like, I need to <laughs> not, good idea, good idea. I need to not be paying for two fifteen dollar a month games at the same time because I'm that, really that not, you don't play, right? <laughs> I'm not going to play them both, so there's no reason for me to be paying for them both. Um, right, right. Anyway, uh, we got. Uh, uh, Aaron and Pete and Zahn and Ben is back and we got our buddy Fox to play. He's never played an MMO and That's something. He, we, we were talking about it in the discord and he goes, would I like wow? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, that's man. such a huge question. I mean, I, I think you, you should be careful and socially responsible because it's the same exact question. That a lot of people get every day when they say, would I like heroin? I mean, I might I mean, like heroin. Sure, of course, of course. I <laughs> don't think he is in any danger of you know neglecting his family. He, uh, you True. know, he today was complaining um, that he doesn't have enough time because he's not logged into the game for like four or five days. And oh, and he's and he's a new well player. Oh yeah, he's safe then. He's good. yeah, yeah. I think he'll be fine um, because because how well war happens, it's just like crack cocaine. Like if you try it and you're like, I'm fucking, I'm in on right. this, you know. People just like, then, go, then you're good. But yeah, they they as as we say, or maybe I don't even know, but like my peak of playing WoW was in 2008. So, right, we had <laughs> my old uh, guildmaster uh, uh, Sean on the show yep, last yep. year, and um, like the. The memes and jokes, I don't think we even used the word meme back yet back then. Like, all the jokes that I knew f f that were part of my, like, wow experience were, you know, people were not using them by, you know, the second time I got back into wow. And then by the third time, and so, you know, like, I'm, you know, grandpa making old jokes when I get into online games. But um, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't even remember, but it was the that question from Fox was a kind of weird, challenging thing. I'm like, what game do I know or think that he's played that I can even compare it to? I'm like, okay, imagine, imagine uh, uh, Breath of the Wild, but the combat is easier and also ten times more complicated. Uh, like, how do you right. explain tab targeting to someone who's never played an MMO? Like I can't oh, think right. of a single player game that uses tab targeting. He's, I mean, he's never played any MMO. That's, that's yeah impressive. I'm like, what's through. the, you know, there's no, 
they're as in in real estate you would say comps i'm like there's no there's no comparison that i can that i can draw this to and i'm like okay so you imagine you're you're walking along and you press tab to lock yourself onto an enemy and then you press some of your number keys until his health bar goes down and then you loot stuff off of him <laughs> if that sounds like fun that's 90 percent of what wow is right um, anyway uh we went through that whole sort of pitch anti-pitch like i'll give people a pitch for things but long-time listeners of the show will know that i uh um I take things too personally. If <laughs> if I recommend something to somebody and they don't like it, I take it personally, uh, sure. you know, against all my uh, uh, desire to the contrary. You know, it's not, not, not a trait that I'm proud of. Um, <laughs> and so when I recommend something, it's why, you know, whenever we're reviewing movies, like I have to give a bunch of context and, uh, and, and you know, provisos because I'm like, I don't want to tell you this is great and then have you hate it because then i'm gonna feel bad like i want to give you right. as as realistic expectations as i can and you know even undersell it so that uh you know you'll be pleasant surprised it's my whole shtick about expectations but anyway he uh he got on and has played he's uh he's playing a pandaren i'm oh. trying to trying to explain the classes to him right and like so he, he's a, he's a panda He's a panda, a pandaren shaman. Mm -hmm. I was going through the classes, and at least I know he knows 5th edition D&D. And so while there are, you know, many, many differences between WoW and D&D, the archetypes are similar, right? If I tell right. you that a, that a WoW hunter is, um, is a ranger with a pet, you'll have a pretty good idea what that is. Like, a warrior is a fighter, right. a paladin is a paladin. Uh, a priest is a cleric, right? They're not exact, but you, you know, to a to a newcomer, right? To get the right. general sense. But I made the mistake of saying that a shaman was the last Airbender, and oh. so of course he's playing shaman. I'm like, yeah, I know that he just watched Last Airbender, and so the if the elements thing is gonna is sure. gonna make that super clear. Um, and but, but it's not really. <laughs> it's it's not. It's not right. right. So. Right. Um, yeah, so we're so we're doing that. Um, we're playing with the um, the new leveling experience. It's incredibly fast, especially compared to classic. It's it's yeah. faster than it used to be. Um, I think when when I played Battle for Azeroth, the current expansion that's just about to end, um, I leveled a character from it was a, a allied race, so they start at twenty. And at the time, the level cap was 120. So I went from 20 to 120 in a little under two weeks, I think, okay. of a decent amount of time, like at least a couple hours a day. And somebody did charts. I would have to, I would have to go back and double check. Like I did play for the better part of, well, almost all of Saturday and probably half of Sunday this weekend. Um, yeah. But the they've squished the levels, right? So it goes from 1 to 50 again. And then, well, not again, because in Classic, it's, it's 60. But the, the level cap in Shadowlands, it's going to be 60. So right now, the highest you can go is 50. And they did this thing where you can talk to Chromie, who's a, a bronze dragonflight, like time travel NPC. And yeah. she'll send you to the 
uh, continent slash expansion of your choice to level. So you can level in uh, Burning Crusade or Wrath or Pandaria or Draenor. So are you just skipping major parts of the story? I'm confused how that works. That's that's the idea. Like new players don't get this choice. We found so uh, you know I spend okay. a lot of time trying to advise Fox on which expansion he might want to do, and he has to go through uh, the Battle for Azeroth story. So yes, you're not getting any of like Pandaria and Garrosh and Deathwing and Illidan and and Arthas and any of that, but you weren't really before anyway. Right, like the old way of playing, well, for a long time, you had to play through every expansion. You had to play through Vanilla and then go yeah. through Burning Crusade and then Wrath, et cetera, et cetera. And somewhere, I want to say Legion, which was the expansion before this one, um, they doubled up a couple of those. Like where the where the level cap only went up by five, they would do like, once you got to 60, you could go to outland or northrend you didn't have to do them both and they made the levels uh scale a little bit for that and um yeah so somebody did and i would have to i'd have to log in to see what my my character did but i started a new level one warlock uh i mean not more than a week ago and i got her to 50 yesterday um you know so like a week and yeah. people are saying it it depends on the the expansion but the the estimates that they have range from 12 to 24 hours of like slash played right like actual gameplay time which is incredibly fast right yeah. it's, it's faster than it's ever been sure. um and that's that's intentional right because just like we talked about at length about um um final fantasy like yeah. the the older your game is the and the longer that that slog is it makes this barrier to entry for new players. And I mean it, I think it's the thing that's made me stop playing, right? I think right. a lot of us we, we stopped playing e- even though they have sped it up considerably it doesn't sound like quite as much as, as Right. Wow, and so it's it's hard still. for the people who have played the whole time, right? They're like, "Oh, how do you how do you understand why Sylvanas is the way she is if you don't know anything about Arthas?" But yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not like th- while there is an incredible amount of lore and story in World of Warcraft, it is not as story based as a game like Final Fantasy. Like there's very little narrative to the classic game. Like, yes, there are stories happening, but they didn't start the full narrative, you know, sort of thing until the expansion started. And the like day or two that you spend in Outland, like leveling from 60 to 70 is not te- is not telling you the story of what happened in that expansion it's just a nuisance and how, how, true how do you how do you is there a way do they have a mechanic in the game to let you not necessarily experience it but know like for example i don't know i've not been played i've not played for almost 10 years now and sure. um the I saw the Shadowlands um, launch thing with you when we watched at BlizzCon last year, mm-hmm. and I got some of the people, and I know Sylvanas a little bit, and I know some things, but there's still many people I didn't recognize. When you see these like videos come out, it's very I got hyped just because they're cool videos, but I don't know 
yeah, they're the we, story. Right? Like, ta- I don't understand why she is doing yeah, this stuff. We, and... we talked about that in um, in the BlizzCon episode. Like, their their voice acting and their cinema uh, uh, cinematics are so good now. Um, right, but like, still, like, my that's my question still stands is that yeah. you, you mentioned going through Outlands. Like, you should. That's where you do know about <clears throat> Illidan, right? right? And and his what happens to him. And while you it. People took people a long time when you're actually playing that expansion to go through. Now, if you choose to go through that, do you at least get some kind of cut scene that shows something at some point about, okay, now you're moving out of here and here's what happens to Illidan or something? Or Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there are descriptions of things um, from, I think, Warlords, maybe even cataclysm i don't know about cataclysm but definitely from speaking which can you go and solo illidan now your character uh i don't know that i know things this is all new stuff so there are some things that are a little buggy like i i felt like there were levels where my pet i'm playing um uh demonology warlock um and my pet my Felguard would seem very weak like he would be constantly mm-hmm. dying, and then I'd level a couple times, and now it, like he wouldn't take any damage at all. Like I never had to heal him. Yeah. Um, so wow. there's some weird sort of thing, but of course they, you know, they changed the whole game. Like it's you yeah. expect to have little bugs like that occasionally, and I'm sure they have all their resources focused on getting Shadowlands done. Um, well, I've I've considered I've considered like since since I mean I still enjoy the idea of playing Final Fantasy, but um, the uh, it still feels like it's got a long ways to go. Like I was mm-hmm. through, we got past the original, right. And then I moved into one of the expansions, second expansion. And, and I know I paid for all of them, but the, um, I, I still don't, it felt like there was still so much of this slogging through stuff to go. So even now getting on that feels very bad. So I, I have considered the idea of like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll try the Shadowlands thing, but I still have that feeling of going back to an MMO that's, long in the tooth and i'm mid i would be starting midway through like i don't start as a new player i'd play my character that's probably mid level range i guess now um and I had a, granted i if i remember right wow was very much one of those like basically every expansion just reset all classes and restuff and you learn a whole new class you have your own class anyway kind of yeah they, so they take that opportunity to do big sweeping uh balance changes and it's a you know, it's a constantly moving target, right? They're always tweaking stuff back and forth to try and make sure yeah. that, you know, everything's, you know, like they say, balanced. Like nobody's well, nobody's yeah. ever fully satisfied and, you know, feeling overpowered because that, you know, bums other people out, right? Like it's... Right. A, a well, and, and, and there's, there is there is something to say that it is a, what, like 15-year-old game? 16. Or more? 16-year-old game? So, you know, there's... Uh, the, I... I'm not disparaging it because it is still pretty great, but you know, I kind of, I keep having my eye out for a new MMO to try. That's why I think when you were talking about Fox, like it would be good to start out something that somebody doesn't have. I know we've had this experience in our group before. It's, it's no matter what it is, if you go into something with a bunch of experts, it is no matter how easy they try to make it, it's very, very daunting. Right. When, right. when everyone else, you know, knows so much about a subject, especially something at 16 years old and you're new, it's hard as opposed to when you go into a new thing with everyone else kind of on the same thing, at least you have the same experience of it. Yeah, I did. I did eventually um, 
get to play with Fox at the same time. I know we talked about this off the air, but we had a little bit of uh, technical uh, difficulty mm. with being on the right servers and stuff, which is not as big of a deal as it used to be. But of course, he wants to be on our server so that he can join the guild and all that stuff. But um, I found him in the in the new starting zone. There's a new like uh, uh, sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? A universal or generic starting zone that yeah. all new players go through and for me every time i roll another character i have a choice between doing this new starting area or the classic starting area for whichever race i'm playing which is kind of yeah. cool um but i i went in there with another new character right we're switching the horde so i'm t- trying out all the um different races to see like there are several different kinds of druids now and to see their different uh, forms in action and see how they feel and um he fox ran past me on his new uh druid or uh, shaman character and i'm like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna follow him and we'll do this stuff together right so i invited him to party and then yeah. you know just sort of followed him around and you know if i were doing it myself it, you know it would have been half as much time but hi- him having me with him made that second time half as you know twice as fast as the first time he did it um and then we got into uh zandalar that's the troll capital city in um in the last expansion the current expansion and we did some quests for a while and he was having some he was stuck on a quest where like he was supposed to follow an npc and he'd gotten too far and he had hidden his quest list and so he couldn't figure out how to how to abandon and restart it. It's the kind of thing that just happens. If you yeah. have never played an MMO, you wouldn't even have any idea, but it's, you know, tech support sort of thing. And so we were on discord. And so he put his, uh, his streaming on. And so there were a couple of times, like toward the end, we, we do some stuff and I had him like get his UI scaling, right. Cause he's playing on a projector screen. Um, All right. and we got to, well, when you get out of that starting zone, you're level 10, and, and level 10 is when you unlock mounts now. Um, and yeah. um, and so I, he had gone through this quest. Like, the, the, the thing where he was supposed to follow the NPC was part of unlocking mounts. And because we were on Discord and he wasn't reading on the quest text, like, that had just gone, gone over both of our heads. Like, I was just following him along, trying not to... Uh, uh, spoil any of that you know new player experience for him and so right. right before when he was when he was about ready to be done for the night i was like you should have if you open your bags you should have some kind of thing you can ride and it's a turtle because he's a, a panda and mm-hmm. um i'm like if you right click on that you should have this thing if you click that icon that looks like a horse like i just walked him through this and you know, it's the collections and there's the mounts. And I said, you put that on your bar and then you click it. And so he goes out and he pops up on this turtle and he's moving around and it's fast, right? It's that, that thing, you know, from 15, 16 years ago when you play WoW for the first time. And of course, back then it was like, you know, weeks to months of grinding before you run back to your, your home village yeah. and, and get that first mount. But you still... Yeah like even though it's much easier now it's still for him was a you know a sort of delightful experience to jump upon this turtle and now he's running around and it's 
and it's very, um, you know, just fun. And so that was, that was cool for me to see somebody experience that for the first time. I bet. I, uh, I will give you a fair warning to wrap up the MMO topic we have here is that I have strongly considered, um, making a push come past holiday season for our friend group to start getting together on Neverwinter as, as a thing. I think it, it's one of those ones that fits a lot of people in our group, in our friend group, mm. it being D&D and 5th edition, edition type stuff. And Yeah, I played around you know. on it with you and, and Trotsky one night back when, before we... Oh, no, not that not that one. Not the old, like, oh, okay. 80s one. Like, like the MMO that's actually still going strong. I see. I see. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's the it's 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 good. And I know our friend Trotsky has has played it when he was looking at different MMOs just recently, and he really really enjoyed it. But other people hadn't played it. It's one of those ones though that's um, kind of free to it's free to play, but you know there's there's loot boxes and such. So mm. if you if you but if you have a subscription, then it's not a big deal. But if you don't pay a subscription, then you, you get like my biggest complaint with it. And I don't want to start with a complaint on it is that, but you get loot and it's like, Hey, you got a gold chest, but you can only open it with a with key a that key. costs $2 mm-hmm. to, to, to get or grind a bunch to unlock a gold key or something, you know, like go, go to the thing. And then that, that loot box has random treasure in it. Right. So you don't actually know, but you're paying $2. But if you get a subscription, then you can just open those type thing. I know, yeah. but yeah. it, it in-app purchases are my favorite part of D and D. Right, right, right. So that that's a downside of that. But it, it that's um, I figure if we're playing that, we would be doing like we would be doing with Final Fantasy. We actually pay for a subscription anyway, so it's it's a moot mm-hmm. point. But anyway, it's it's yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. We've had several people. I think that it it would totally work for them. It has a lot of uh, like it it can work well with the controller, which a lot of people like, and it's it's got a, it's mm-hmm. very story driven, like episodic stories not like wow has um expansions that are like stories this has you know you're you're going on a dungeon and it has a whole quest line in like four dungeons that you go into and you you know for your party it's it's really good game anyways i'm i'm giving you a fair warning that i'm thinking about getting pushing people that one depending on how how shadowlands works sure yeah i know that i know that i and aaron and maybe pete uh bought six months subs they, oh six months they, well they put a i mean i a, i remember how classic went too though everybody was still excited about classic and then after like three months they were like eh. yeah i th- so we'll i see. think we'll we'll last longer than that we have a good group i know zan is excited about a lot of the new mechanics they're trying a lot of different things with this bill so you know we'll see yeah yeah oh i hope it's awesome you know yeah it'd be, it'd be a great thing uh Man, that was a quite a bit. I had I'm going to switch over a little bit here, something I hadn't really talked to you about. But um, okay. I, I got to play um, my video game thing hasn't been very interesting. I I played uh, um, I've been playing Paladins a lot on PlayStation, kind of a um, high res studios Overwatch type thing, which is fantastic and fun, and I really enjoy it. Um, and it's one of those ones that say uh, I mentioned last week. It's a you know game you play when you don't have to think a lot. Yeah, you just kind of want to yeah. enjoy a thing. Uh, but you end up playing like four hours. Uh, but so I, that's not really interesting. But I did play. I did play two things. One, I played a board game. I'll talk about. But I also played uh, uh, Star Wars Squadrons. It's a new game that came out not too long ago, like a week or two. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, um, it's it's basically a, an homage to 
Um, I think it's the 90s or early 2000s version of uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, which mm. was a really popular I, like, flight I simulator those. game. I don't know that I yeah. ever played them, but I remember that they were a thing. Yeah, they were a thing, and they were pretty popular. They're, they're like, hey, here's the flight simulator, but you're in X-Wings and TIE Fighters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in combat dogfighting, which is, which is it was, you know, it was fun. Um, but now it's in, in modern stuff. And it came out, um, our friend Zahn had mentioned, mentioned, and I had forgotten about it. Um, so I went ahead and, and bought it because I was going to play it, but I had planned on buying it on PlayStation because to play it with a controller mm-hmm. and uh, in my living room. And then I saw that it was um, designed to fully support virtual reality. So I was like, oh, oh well, right. yeah. I'm, so I went ahead and got it on Steam for the PC because I own a Quest mm-hmm. and it connects through the Rift store, which connects to the Steam store. Right. Um, and I, and I will say up front on this little short mini review that, um, I've had lots of issues with, uh, technical stuff with it. We, we often talk about technical patience that people have, I have to have, I had to have a lot of technical patience with this game <laughs> to, to, to play it simply because it's a new modern VR game. I have a rig that can totally run it because when I run it, but it's just, it's opening and running on multiple layers. So I'm running the Quest, and then the Rift connects through a, a cable to the Rift store, which connects to the Steam VR, which connects to the game. All that's running through yeah, a wire. Yeah, I, I did that with um, with Star Trek Bridge Crew when I first got my, my Quest, and I eventually just bought Bridge Crew again because I didn't want to deal with it. Because it, it works, but it's, like you said, it's, it's a few layers of, of like home screens or home yeah worlds well this whatever this caused this ultimately caused uh lots of jerky lag like Mm. lots um when especially as stuff started happening it was it was unplayable type stuff so i've i've considered today was a big consideration to buy an actual official oculus link cable which everyone seems to extol that it is it makes things like seamless it's worth Um, uh yeah, but could, but it, could it be eight, your eighty dollars? Yeah, it's an, it's a really costly cable, and that's very costly. You know, could it be? Um, could it be the video card on your PC? Nope it's it all runs it all runs fine. Mm-hmm. Like the game, I can play it running on the PC just fine. Oh, okay. So without any any problems whatsoever, and so that's definitely not not the issue there. Um, and and. Uh, I will say I did go ahead and upgrade my RAM. I bought, I doubled my RAM that I have, and I just got that today and installed it and haven't, mm-hmm. that happened about three hours ago. So I haven't actually given it a shot, but I, you know, that could be it to being able to handle stuff. Folks. Okay. So that was a lot to say that I had, I had technical issues with this game, but right. I did go ahead and like shut everything down on it, thinking it might be my computer and restarted the computer and had it like a fresh kind of nothing running mm-hmm. thing. And I was able to, at one in the morning, one night, finally actually get it to run for, for several um, missions for like the X-Wing side. Because this game works where you play like one it's a continuing story with see. both sides. Like you're you're playing a storyline right. with the Imperial and then, yeah, you, you know, it cuts over. And now you're playing the X-Wing. Um, and I will say this. It's super cool. Like it's <laughs> super enjoyable. The story is neat so far. I just played the first like three or four missions, basically the tutorial areas of both sides. And holy cow, if you've ever thought in your life that it would be interesting to sit at a uh, um, 
like an X-Wing and a typewriter. This is what it, it's, it's very much like the bridge crew type thing. Like, you know, when we yeah. played bridge crew, you're sitting and actually controlling the, the, the starships, which that sort of, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I felt the start that bridge crew was something that gave me that feeling. It really was. Yeah. And obviously, obviously the, the space battles, we've talked about this, you know, this yeah. is something that I say frequently, like the space battles in star Wars are like world war two dogfights, right? That, yeah, you're right, right. They often are acting as if there's gravity. Um, yes. You know, the the ships, they do hover, but they mostly, when they're fighting, they move like planes. And yeah. Um, and well, so, and when you're playing bridge crew, it feels like a, a naval battle, even when you're playing bridge right, crew. Like right. Like you're yeah. sitting, it's like, it's like a submarine or a ship, uh, you know, spaceship, right? Um, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the, you know, I played, um, I forget now what it's called, but I played a, a, a ship simulator thing on the quest and it was really cool. You, you know, you fly around. It's the exact kind of like the things that are challenges for VR are as far as motion are you moving like as a person, but moving yeah. in a ship is fine because you're sitting yeah. and stuff is moving like you physically are not moving, but the vehicle is moving. And so yeah. you don't have any of that sort of nausea issue when you don't have any vehicle around you. Yeah, really. And and also there's so much of the vehicle that's actually stationary as well with you. Right, right. Which which is neat. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's it was a little bit, I guess, it, right out initially disconcerting because like in a TIE fighter, they just have this port window in the front. <laughs> um, so you feel like almost like your, your views restricted, which is kind of how it would be. Right. Yeah. Um, but you're looking around in the cockpit and it just looks like this, like realistic, not, it doesn't look like a computer clean type thing. Like it looks like it's kind of been beat up a little bit on the inside. They're not brand new or there's like a, a, what actually a real jet fighter looks like inside. Yeah, They're not pristine. A, there's a word for that, um, that aesthetic that, that star Wars, I mean, didn't invent, but definitely popularized um, right. where you get, you know, stuff like uh, BSG, Battle, you know, Battlestar Galactica and yeah, yeah. Uh, and Firefly and um, all that. Like I'm I'm constantly reminded of Firefly when when I watch Mandalorian because the the design of his ship has a similar kind of profile to the to the Firefly ship uh, Serenity. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. But that That's idea right, right. of like stuff is not clean and pristine like it's it's old and it's not dystopian right it's not um yeah it's not blade runner or um no sure i'm not thinking or mad max but you know the ships are old and some of them are nice and new and clean you know the the imperial ships and whatever but the other ones are you know they're just old they've got they're kind of gray and they've got maybe some some you know scarring like burns and and stuff on the hull and um and stuff like that and it yeah it, and 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 that's and that's how when you're inside this one it kind of feels that it, it yeah. looks like it's it's worn metal right and and the right. straps that you're strapped into has a worn kind of feel to it it's it's, I mean, it's not old and beat up like you're running, you're flying an old beat up plane but it's it's right. used um so anyway that that's that's a neat instead that you're sitting inside this you know x-wing and you really feel that way and then um, same thing with the tie, like the tie fighters and the X-wing was, and it's a, it's really neat. Cause you're playing these two 
ships. Actually, you're playing more ships than just the two. You're playing. You play Thai bombers, Thai infiltrators, uh, mm-hmm. A wings, Y wings, um, uh, and it's just a joy. I I cannot express to you as a, a clear, well established Star Wars fanboy to be flying next to Echo Leader, and you're just like in formation, go, flying. You know, you fly through the fleet and such, and then everybody's coming around you. And then they're like, you come in and you hyperspace in and, uh, you know, like, all right, we're going to go and fight stuff. And you see on the side, you press the button and your X-Wings go into attack position. It's just so exhilarating. You know, they out sure. to the side. Yeah. Like, oh, man, that is so incredible. Um, and then the ships, uh, I, I don't want to go too much into the details of things, but the ships feel distinctly different. Not only do you look like you're actually, you're, you're totally in a different ship. Right, all the dashboard mm-hmm. looks and feels differently, and uh, all the gauges are different. And you have to use the gauges, right? Like if I'm putting power mm-hmm. to pa- shields or maneuverability engines or whatever, it's found differently. And some of them aren't even available on different ships. So, like you want to fly a Tie Fighter if you, it's has a lot of attack and a lot of speed, but no defenses, right? But mm-hmm. and it's but if you go over to a an X Wing, it has more of a balanced thing, but it's got you know less. It's got more maneuverability, but less, you know, speed and such like that. So you you know what you're flying by the kind of the cockpit that you're in and the capabilities you have. It's just it's hard to explain, um, but it's really fun. So it's it's been really enjoyable, and the story is pretty neat so far. Um, it has a whole um, uh, multiplayer part of it that I just I hope this is the thing that makes me want to spend eighty dollars on a cord. Hmm. It's because I think I could really dig it. It's got hmm. you think of it like a uh, like an Overwatch type thing where there's you know objectives and um, siege type things where you go and you have to take a take a point and then you know escort a, a the carrier group across enemy lines and such and the you're the X wing or you're the Empire or you're the the rebels and you're playing it in multiplayer type stuff and each ship has its own stuff like there's a support ship there's a bombing ship there's a a fighter ship and you know or fighter versus fighter and you you have levels and EXP unlocks and you can upgrade your ship looks and your pilot looks. And it's, it's got a whole bunch of depth to it. Nice. Uh, So yeah. And the the best thing is I'm playing it in VR, but it's just very frustrated when I come against those, you know, those, those probably stop gaps that, you know, technical stuff. I I hope that I can get that figured out. It's funny. I listened to, uh, so we said earlier, I've been playing. Wow. And yeah, Part of one of the things that we had to uh, explain slash teach Fox is that WoW is not uh, the way we play Factorio or the way that we played Terraria or mm. um, other. Like, and I don't know. This seems to be oh true. that you don't get on with everybody. You get on your own. You get put in your own time. Well, in. that's part of it. The other part of it is that we could get on four or five of us. And we're playing together, but we're not playing together, right? Like, yeah, like right. all five of us could be on and on Discord, all doing different things. And like, maybe right. Zan and Ben meet up because they're on the same point in the quest. And you know, WoW has this um, um, uh, party sync feature where yeah. you the the whole party can sync to the party leader's like state. And so um, I actually, because um, because Fox signed up through a recruit a friend link from me, um, 
we have the ability to teleport right to each other and i actually have a a quest i don't know if he has it too but a sort of meta quest where i can do if i do like 30 quests or something like that with party sync with fox um i get some currency for the like time walking uh thing and I don't know yeah. where I was going with that. Oh, uh, playing, you know, doing different things sort of at the t- same time. But I spent a lot of time playing by myself, as you do. And Aaron had mentioned that he was getting caught up on his podcast. And I was like, I should definitely do this. Like, I know the story of whatever expansion I'm playing. And I actually did uh, Cataclysm for most of it. So I was doing uh, some of those new zones, like not new zones, like Desolus. But Desolus is new since cataclysm which was 10 years ago but um you know new from the original desolus which i did years ago uh yeah anyway that was a long-winded way of saying that i've been catching up on my podcast and one of the podcasts that i listen to that i haven't listened to in months is core uh the frog pants show that used to be about here is the storm and they were talking about the xbox and i'm like Uh, I'm not interested in the Xbox. Nobody I know is getting one. And I've been just disparaging it as the console for kids all this time. And (laughs) um, all three of them are getting it. And of course, they're, you know, they're gaming content creators. Like one of them does streaming. You know, one is Scott Johnson, who's, you know, been doing a WoW podcast since beta. Right. Um, So they're going to try every new thing. Right. Um, I think a couple of them bought both the PS4 and the Xbox one and, you know, stuck with the PS4 just didn't, it, you know, the, the Xbox one didn't yeah. do anything for them. Um, right. And so they, a couple of them either had their console or like one guy I think was still waiting for his. And then they went into this whole interesting conversation because the one is recently married and his wife, he has one or two stepkids. Um, mm-hmm. And his wife is expecting, you know, their first between them. And Scott Johnson is, I don't know, probably in his early 50s. Like his, um, I think his youngest kid is like about to finish high school or something like that. You know, so like he's the, he's the, you know, experienced parent talking to the relatively (laughs) new parent. Because they're talking about like he got his xbox and he's keeping it in his office like the kids can't play with it it's not going to go out in the tv room it will eventually but he wants you know a couple months of it being clean right not having like (laughs) food in the buttons or whatever kind of deal right and so that they went into this whole thing about like what was parenting like you know for for scott and of course he's been a gaming content creator as i said for almost 20 years and so he was like a cool parent, right? There was never anything that um, that his kids were interested in that he didn't already know about, right? Like he knew yeah. about it before any of their friends did. And so they always had, you know, whatever new console. But anyway, I didn't mean to, to get into all those details. It's a good, it's a long form. It's like our show, except there are three of them and they only talk about yeah. gaming. Um, but... Uh, it's a good show. If it sounds interesting, you check it out. One of the things that intrigued me about the Xbox, and I know that, um, you know, for me, I'm not in the market for a new console at all. I know you're pretty well established in the PlayStation 
um, sure. uh, ecosystem. But it's the the stories are interesting to me to see how, um, you know, how these companies compete. And the general yeah. consensus in the last console generation was that Sony did not, or uh, Microsoft did not focus enough on exclusives. And it's a it's a weird thing because of course. Gamers don't want exclusives, right? They're bad for us. Right. But right. for the console manufacturers, that's how you sell consoles, right? It's not the only way, but if your hardware is about the same, then it comes down to what are your friends playing? And if that's not a factor, yeah. what games does the one console have that the other one doesn't? Is it Halo versus yeah. the Uncharted's or, or um, yeah. you know, whatever? And I mean, it's, it is an unfortunate it's a very unfortunate it's, business it, thing. It's just, yeah, it's just the way that it works. But it sounds like, and I don't, I don't know a lot about um, the PlayStation, though. I'm sure that they, the PS5, will ride for a, for a while at least on the success of the PS4. Right, the, sure. the PS4 did sure. so well that a lot of those people aren't going to even consider the Xbox, and you know they'll do well on that but microsoft has been investing a lot in um it's not quite cloud gaming i don't think but they're doing yeah. more like uh, and i don't even want to say games as a service but they're doing like library things they're doing things that are a yeah. little more not like sure. steam where well yeah. not necessarily steam though that seems to be part of it like they these guys said when they you know signed up and got their account and it's got some feature where if you have old accounts you can merge them together or whatever and yeah. any game that they had bought or registered on consoles i think going as far back as the first xbox maybe the 360 yeah um they had the ability to download and play like they could play the original um um final fantasy 7 right not the remastered one yeah. and um and the new games if they bought them digital or something i don't know the details on this like if you're somebody who's listened or who's interested in um uh xbox like do your own research because this is all second third hand information yeah. coming from me but um they had things like uh um Microsoft has, and I only, I tried it for like a month and didn't see any games that interested me, but they have a um, subscription game library for both the PlayStation, or for both, I keep saying PlayStation, for both the Xbox and PC. And yeah. I think like those were different services and then they unified them. So all of their, I don't know if this applies to everything, maybe just their first party games or something like that again you know uh yeah uh, buyer beware kind of thing but um if they bought a game on the the xbox live store or whatever on pc it's got a different name like if they bought a game yeah. for their pc they could also play it on the xbox it's like one license right. both platforms and so it seems like um, I mean that 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 works because they own both platforms. Right. right? It's a kind it's of like, thing. Right. It's a kind of. I mean, they own the Windows. They own Windows, like and they own, like yeah. Microsoft has the resources to um, play a kind of longer game. Like they have, they're also doing their their two um, product tiers. 
yeah. seem vastly different. There's like the, their their big core gamer five hundred dollar console, and then another like it's three or maybe even two hundred dollars. Like it's significantly cheaper. Um, yeah. And so they're they seem to be trying to spread into that market that's like in between um um nintendo gamers and playstation gamers like try to get a little more casual get some people who are gonna have it as a as a, a primarily media device but they've also merged the the xbox live store or whatever the xbox live library with ea so all of the like sims stuff all of the like yeah. the various sports games i would imagine um and try to get into that a little more casual right like maybe people who are not hardcore pc gamers though the cross like having the game on both platforms of course also appeals to those um pc gamers yeah. I, well, I know to- there are a lot of um there are a lot of PlayStation gamers that are not like they'll play PC games, but the PlayStation is their primary uh, uh, gaming device. Yeah. I mean, well, to, to play the other side of that too, that beyond the, the PC crossplay thing, um, Sony ha- also PlayStation has PlayStation now, which does that exact same thing too. You play a, your subscription fee and you have a whole bunch of games that you can just have a library to play yeah yeah um, I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of you know they're going to be competing uh for features but it was interesting because i hadn't heard really anything positive about the xbox at all and i know it's not you know it's not something either you or i are interested in at all um just an interesting yeah the, story. The, and, and as as dennis had mentioned something that we we're, we're, listeners might know if you look at dates of this show when you're listening to it now we're we're not talking a lot about the PlayStation 5 launch, which happened last week, namely because neither the two of us got one. Uh, me being the, the most likely of us to, to get one of those have not run out and get this year. I've been on record as saying that I'm not a fan of this whole world of pre-ordering everything online and mashing buttons at midnight to, to get a thing. So, um, I'm okay with it. I did. I did have a. We did have a nice little fun experience with me trying to get some Walmart ones last week. Oh, I but forgot that that it was happened. nothing more than just a lighthearted fun. Yeah, uh, I'll get one eventually. You know, your, uh, your thing, my purchase thing. Right. We uh, we will. I I will get it. I will. I occasionally look. Uh, you would give me a nice little website that I can look at too to keep an eye on them. I. It's one of those. I will look occasionally, and if I see it, I will definitely buy it as soon as I see it. Right. But I'm not going to be like, you know, slamming my button first thing in the morning, checking reminders every hour <laughs> type thing. Yeah. The, uh, the okay. site so, that I, the site that just for the, for the, this is not, you know, we don't make any money yeah. on this. This is just my recommendation as a, um, a site service that I used successfully. Uh, it's called nowinstock.net. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's the, yeah. the site and they have a discord server as well. Um, it's the site that I used to get the Oculus Quest when those were still, yeah. Uh, very difficult to find. I don't know if that's still true. It actually could be. the The console thing for me is a simple matter of, uh, like, not not financial. Like, I definitely, you know, can afford it if I wanted it. Yeah. Um, right. But I bought a, a gaming laptop, a PC, a year and a half ago. I bought the Quest 
like five or six months ago. I bought the Switch a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And I bought the PS4, not three years ago. I don't know, whatever. In the last five years, like I bought four major um, um, pieces of gaming hardware. And I just don't play the PS4 that much. Like I've played it. Yeah. Um, well, probably we, we've more had this than conversation Switch. before. The, yeah, the, and it, the, the primary thing is where you play, where you play, where I play, where, and just your gaming. Just in my comes, in but. my current situation, like my PC is in my room, and I can play at any time for the most part. Um, the PlayStation is in a a public space with the TV. Like it's just an extra step of like, do I want to play that or do I want to you know start up a new factorial thing, which is a whole different. Man, man I, I will say, you know, I I, I play both. I'm one of those guys who goes both, but. There is, it is the the adage of PC is a pain in the butt is no, is still not changed. I mean, as much as things have got plug and play these days, I, I played Star Wars Squadrons this week and I had to do the whole thing that you, everybody always says like, oh man, okay, so I had to go get my driver. Then the driver messed up my thing so it wouldn't launch and it would shutter things. So I had to go and roll back the driver for this one card back to this next one because you go to their forums and they say that it's not actually implemented or the driver updated and messed some kind of patch up for squadron. So you have to go roll back that. Um, and then I had to go make sure that my, um, you know, there, there was enough Ram freed up so I could, you know, and, and I, the whole time it took me like three hours to just get <laughs> the game so it could launch right. And I'm like, this is something that you, you never mess with on a console. I just put it in and I play it. Right, yeah. it's that simple. Yeah. It's like um, um, you know, it's like Android versus iPhone, and it's not to say that you know one is better than the other. There are a lot of things PCs no, can for do. sure, for sure. I mean, it, uh, just the simple fact of their computers, right? You can use them right. for other things, right? You can't, right? You can't, but, but uh, I guess what, what I was trying to say there was that, that the that old adage of you know that PC has its problems definitely has not been fully answered and definitely still has problems. And I was a little, I was a little sad because I've played a lot of PC games in the last 10 years. And that, and that's, that's the, the outlier more than the normal thing. But man, when you hit it, you hit it. Like what, what, what do you mean? Oh my God, I have to go through and I haven't updated this driver and that driver. And then my keyboard needs a driver. And it's like, wow, that is, it's just a sound. It needed a driver. Um, And you're like, why, why, you know, this feels such a barrier to things. And I think that barrier still is what keeps things like, con- you know, PCs out of the living room. Cause we would just have our PCs in the living room, but mm. we, we don't. Um, okay. So moving off that, actually my, my thing I was going to say with the PlayStation was that um, I, I will talk about it. I'm sure when I get one and we can actually get some hands on and play and we've yeah, got some friends who, sure. who actually got them. But, but um, I, a couple of things that I think I've seen that are, are, are neat and different than other launches that I've seen. First off, we've talked about, that unlike other launches, I can't go out and sit outside anywhere. Penny Arcade's got a nice little comic about it. You know, like <laughs> I can't go sit in the cold and, and, and do this. Right. Um, you, you just go and, you know, watch the internet crash as you try to, you and 5 trillion other people, eBay people, robot, literally the worst part is that most of these are dominated by robots that hit this at the same time. Mm. Um, try to, to, to purchase stuff. Whereas, you know, internet hackers and, and robot eBayers had to actually stand in line and buy them. And then they were limited to as many as that they could buy. And now that isn't the case anymore. So now we've got this whole terrible system of pre- pre-orders ruling in there. It's going to take them, I'm sure, several years of 
these online stores getting their credit together with this kind of stuff to figure out better systems. But now we're, that's this new generation is dealing with this. Okay. That's one thing. The other one is, is that, uh, because backwards compatibility has been embraced with this generation so much, um, it's become kind of a real, uh, answer to some of the problems that, um, launch consoles have had in the past, namely not enough good games, right? Like you, you want to, I remember when PlayStation 2 launched, we got SSX Tricky and some other like Knack or some kind of stuff that were, they were okay, but it's all you had, right? Like yeah, oh, yeah, there's that, four launch titles. They, they brought that up on on, X, on Core, talking about the Xbox. And I think that's part of the reason that they talked so much about um, other games. I mean, they talked about uh, uh, AC Valhalla um, right. quite a bit, but they're like, 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 they're like, yeah, there's nothing... There's no game like they're all excited to play Miles in Spider Man, but they're like, that's going to be better than Spider Man uh, base game, but not, yeah, not oh wow, this is you know a crazy new like the first time right. we talked about this before the show, like the first time I played Halo on the original uh, Xbox, I was like, this is this sure. is a whole different world to you know uh, uh, the N sixty four or 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 doing like the three stuff when it first two D consoles and yeah yeah and we won't we won't have that stuff but it's uh the thing is that like sony at least from my perspective with sony has, has done a, a great job is that all of your games that you've gotten can work on the playstation 5 so whether you have physical copies or you've bought them in the cloud you also have them immediately available to you on playstation 5 you just log in and say i want to play this again granted it has to download it but you know you you have it. It's just like you you have it anytime uh, to get it. No big deal, which is great. And your saves and everything. You just it just takes a kind of a just when you get a new phone, how you transfer everything over. It takes a couple hours to deal with it all. Right. Um, but you're you know you're playing Last of Us on PlayStation Four, the remastered one. You can just start playing it. You know, in a day or two, you can set your buy a PlayStation, set your thing to transfer its stuff over. And then tomorrow when you come back from work, it's probably already all done. And you can start playing Last of Us on your PS5 and you don't really need this old one, which is nice. Also, they've done a lot of stuff with people who are actually new PlayStation owners or converting or whatever. Is that, it, you know, maybe you don't have a big library. Well, for their launch title, and they just say, hey, if you have a PlayStation Plus subscription, we have like 30 great play, high, greatest hits of PlayStation 4 that you have access to for free. Well, not for free. You're paying the subscription fee, but um, they're top, top games, mm -hmm. you know, and the Uncharted games, um, EA games, uh, Last of Us, which I mentioned, Call of Duty games, things like that. They've got Battlefield. Um, so it, it's neat that you ha you can actually buy a console. And remember when a console was launched, you, had, you got Mario. Like it was the pack, pack-in game you got, right? <laughs> That's what you played the crap out of until you finally got a new one right. months later. Now you you get a console and you have thirty games already that are top amazing games and you can play tons of games before you actually have to go buy a, another PlayStation Five official game, which is cool. Yeah, it sounds. You know, it sounds oh, like, yeah. yeah, it sounds like both uh, both companies are doing a lot of that kind of library library of games kind of concept. I hope that yeah. and you know regardless i'm sure microsoft will be fine i have no like vested interest oh, yeah, in, for sure, yeah. in yeah. whatever but you know for sure uh uh competition is good we talked about that I, yeah we talked I, about that's that what last, i was thinking the whole time you were saying last that week or the, the week before only helpful about about companies getting complacent uh without without competitors and 
you know that yeah. that is what yeah, drives the, the, innovation right it's that's how yeah how we, we always said when we had nintendo when nintendo we had sega right they were they were always competing to be better and the consumer wins from that yeah when you had um you know playstation came out it pretty much started to trounce nintendo and that's when and the sega system and dreamcast it, it just kind of dominated them and then uh, the xbox comes out you know so it's it's been good for competition and the fact that we have year in and year out each one i think one of the worst things that can happen is when one gets too dominant over years and then and i think sony is probably the biggest culprit of, of falling into this pit trap of resting on their laurels and you know they i think i'm going to be very regional here but it's kind of feels like the japanese company way of if it ain't broke don't fix it because we're the best right type thing and and so they they tend to not evolve and they get stuck and it, that causes other companies to force themselves to evolve and change and it be, and when they do that they don't just evolve and change they that's when they actually start listening to consumers and doing things that consumers want mm-hmm. um which is good and it's positive and, and i think that microsoft in their past history has done things like that where they've, you know, when they were the biggest, they weren't a big, big dog. But when PlayStation came in, that's when they start doing this whole, Hey, let's be a little bit more open about our idea of cross play and our idea of, you know, uh, selling and buying things on our store and their store. And it's being okay. You know, well, when you're the number two, it's much more encouraging to do that. Um, and, the best thing that can happen, I think, is is if a number one would actually start innovating still. But, you know, we've not seen a history of that. So we'll see if that, that changes. Um, but, yeah, it, like you said, it's every company will be fine. It, there's no console war. I don't really feel that that haterade this, this go around. I think that everybody likes all their consoles. A lot of the games are all available on each one. Um, right. Yes, there's there's the Halo fanboys. But, you know what, I just was talking to you earlier tonight. I don't know much about the Halo story. I think it looks cool. It looks fun and awesome. I'm sure it was a great time that I missed out on. Um, but I had my things it's the same way that I'm sure they feel the same way about us over on this yeah, side. It's not, uh, you know, we grew up, I mean, you're well, something like four or five years older than me, but we grew up in the 80s, yeah. right? With a sort of, well, this is yeah, this yeah. is a complicated, problematic thing for me to say, but I'm going to call it a monoculture. And it only seems that way because people only talk about the things made for, uh, you know, middle class whites at that time. Uh, But, you know, all the same, right? It's like it's that's the reason people make such a big deal when people of a certain age have never seen Ghostbusters or Goonies or Back to the Future or Star Wars. Like there's the same set of things. And we all played Mario and maybe we played Sonic. Uh, But like. There were only a few things, and over the that, years, that's the key right there. There were only so right. many. Over the years, there became more and more things to where you can be yeah. a, uh, you know, a white male in his early thirties who, uh, uh, you know, goes to a weekly board game night and has played World of Warcraft several times, who had never seen a single MCU film, right? Sure. Like, right. and not not out of protest, just there's just so much stuff now and so yeah you can so much that you can you can miss a whole like you know i don't really get into shooters so i played halo and i played halo 2 and i maybe played halo 3 but there are like five or six of them now and like there was an rts one i I played a demo of and 
something called yeah. ODST. Like it's just this whole, this whole ecosystem that, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a you Sony can, guy you completely and, miss. and they, and I, like I was just mentioning that the halo thing, I, I may have missed out that, but here's the honest truth for most people. And I think all PlayStation Xbox people feel the same way too, is that, you know what I've missed out on, I know I've missed out on a lot of just PlayStation exclusive series is because like you said, I just don't have time to do them all. I, right. I, you know, so I'm not just missing out on halo. Why would I have to worry about that when I've also got to worry about all these other series on this console that I have that I can't play. I'll, I'll tell you on the, you know, I, I mentioned my, my PlayStation thing. There are several things that act as a sort of deterrent to me playing it. Um, mm-hmm. one is the thing you were talking about with PCs where like I have games that are new that I haven't put in or that I haven't played in six months yeah. or a year. And I know mm-hmm. if I turn that game on, it's going to have a patch. It's going to have like a five gig <laughs> patch that I'm going to wait. And it's it's great that games can do that now, right? That we're not stuck with a bug in a game and software, you know, the developers can still iterate on, on bug fixes and, th- and things like that. But for me... Well, that's one thing country, PC still has a problem with, I think, uh, over the modern consoles. PlayStation 4 and 5 and Xbox One and whatever Xbox they call their new one has had for... Uh, several years now the ability that it auto updates games you can set it to auto update games overnight or itself so like every time i launch a thing i don't have to wait on an update anymore yeah that's you know it's most of that issue is my slow internet here but oh right um, right right i also like my thing like i was just mentioning neverwinter i had i opened it up earlier today so that i can make sure it's patched for when i want to play it because like pc still doesn't have that it still doesn't have a you know, just automatically okayed to patch games. You know, yeah, you, well, you still it, have to launch them. It depends on what it like. It has, yeah, it's because it's a computer. It has to be launched. Like if you keep Steam open, yeah. it'll keep all your games up to date. No, that's um, true. That's right. Steam, Steam does that. But Steam, Steam is good about that. It does actually do a lot yeah. of that good stuff. My my other problem is I I mentioned this, um, you know, in the last year, GameFly has had a couple of used game sales. Uh, you know, that's the oh, right, video yeah. game rental thing. And all of the PS4 games are getting cheaper and cheaper because of the new console coming out. And so I have right. Borderlands, Far Cry 5, uh, mm. the third Tomb Raider game, though that one I have actually yeah. started. Borderlands 3, um, I played, you know, a handful of hours of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But three of those five... I've not even started and those are all good, well-known liked games. And so I'm like, Oh man, what do I, what do I even want to play if I go in there and turn the PlayStation on? I I would say that that's a really good question for anybody in general. If I haven't even put the disc in the, in the console, it's going to have to do its initial thing, which is huge. It's a big chunk of time. That that you, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, that's just your, your kind of own regional issue, but I, I think that uh, honestly, that, that's a good question for anyone. What would you What would you do with all these choices anyway? Honestly, I think if you were doing in that situation where like I've got some PlayStation things and I could play, there's one PlayStation Four game that's kind of newish or irrelevant to today. I would honestly uh, suggest like not to just to you, but to any player out there to play the um, the Sony Spider Man game. I think I think that's one that's yeah, um, I and I it's one of the ones in a long that. time that I played that like that's innovative and new and fresh and all the way from start to finish from all aspects is a f- genuinely fun enjoyable game. To yeah, play. I mean just the just the basic traversal of the swinging around uh, um, yeah. Manhattan 
was just very satisfying. It, I, it is. I don't I mean, think it, I, I just load it up game, and it's just fun. But to play. I played it. A, I played a lot of it. I think I played like two thirds or three quarters of it. Yeah, and and the the story is pretty great. It's just it's the pacing. All, all of it was so. That's one that I would tell anyone like, hey, if you if you've got a game that you could play, it's fairly modern. It's uh, it obviously there's a newer one out. So if you were even more interested, you could continue on. Um, so it's yeah, that that's one that it, I in other kind of gaming console news it's a small little side bit i wanted to say is that um tomorrow um the mortal kombat 11 goes cross play which is funny because it's a game that's been out for several years now um mm-hmm. but they're putting a patch in that like xbox can play with playstation people can play with pc people which hmm. is it's i mean that's actually a real big boon for myself who hardly has anybody that he knows that plays mortal kombat but i've got people in other cities that play it that, I, right. that are friends of mine and uh, they have the same problem, but they're mostly on Xbox. So, sure. I'm, I'm. It's, it's. We were just talking about that crossplay type thing before. Seeing something like that happen is pretty. It's a lot bigger for people when it who it matters for. You know, you yeah. you just said yeah. like picking a console is like who your friends are. That's the very first thing you do. But when that barrier is broken, it's it's kind of huge. I've got some friends coming this weekend, and those are the same guys. And and I know we're going to play some Mortal Kombat 11, and it's exciting to think that we can go home and continue like a weekly game night where we play Mortal Kombat 11 together. That sounds fun, you know? And I wish that we all wish that that was something that we could, we could do <laughs> more yeah. of, right. With, Couch. with, with anything. Couch oh man, we had a lot, a lot of talk about games today. I, we really didn't spend too much on the, the new launch PlayStation. So yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. I, I, I'm sure people who have it, I, we've got two buddies that have it and they seemed very fun about it. I guess there's a game. I haven't read or seen anything about that. Both of them are that ships with it is getting huge press for a really fun game for it. Yeah. And I saw them. I don't know what it is about the controller, but people that. are flipping out about the controller, about the controller, which the, um, you know, the, the PS4 controller was really good. I, you know, the, the <laughs> yeah, I, I, was kind it, of wonky, which is basically but, the PS3 controller and PS2 controller. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. I'm hearing online all the articles I see, and then all our friends just do this weird gushing about the controller. Just, that seems like the weirdest thing to be gushing about, but I I guess I'll have to experience it for myself someday. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Oh, man. Hey, can, should, can we do a little thing and move over to movies for a little bit? I know it's one of our topics we get to talk about. We I, Or TV, yeah. I guess we could talk about some. some no, uh, I, I think, I think, Looking at the time here, I think we better get into our movie. Our movie? We got a movie this week? You know, we've only got like two, three weeks left, maybe? That's, That's true. We're, we're almost done. Almost done. All right, let's talk about it. Let's do our 2020 challenge. All right, this week we watched Quentin Tarantino's 1994 crime drama, Pulp Fiction. So we, this is our second Tarantino movie. Is that right on this list? Yep. Yep. We also watched Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Which I liked. I remember. Yeah. I had not seen that one before. I had not seen this one before. That was his first movie. This is his second, I believe. Um, It is an 8.9 on IMDb for those keeping track of that. It is ranked number eight based on that, uh, that number. Okay. Uh, I had not seen this one. You had seen it before, right? Yeah, yep. at least once. Okay. As things were happening, I was like, I remember this 
remember more of this movie than I realized. Did you? Yeah, I, um, I, I didn't know much about it except that it was hyper violent. I mean, when it came out, that's that's the thing that was yeah. It doesn't touted around. It, I don't I don't feel that way. But. It didn't seem. I mean, it's definitely violent, but it didn't seem yeah. all that violent compared to. I don't, I don't know, know even 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 Reservoir Dogs, but other yeah. Um, like what have we? I mean, oh, there was the like, scene in the car, which we're, we'll get maybe talk about in spoilers. Right, that was the pretty scene in the car, but like compared to a movie yeah. like Old Boy which yeah. I assume you tried to block out of your memory, but um, <laughs> You're right, yeah. you know, compared to some of the other, uh, not necessarily, well, yeah, newer um, um, movies on this list. And yeah, kind of, a, you know, there's a lot of um, coarse language, as we say. Um, but, but not as much as some other things we've seen. True, true. And... Um, you know, crime, drug use, like a lot of, yeah. a lot of drug use. Like it's, it's leaning a little closer to the Requiem for a Dream uh, uh, territory, which is one of those movies that I could see easily going on a list like this, but I'm thankful that it's not because I watched that in college in a film appreciation class and I don't want to ever watch it again. Um, <laughs> right. It was, it was yeah. very effective in, in, you know, the message it was it was trying to say to portray that sort of uh spiral of of drug drug use yeah. though we also saw train spotting on this list which was mm. a similar yeah. similar kind of deal not right. as intense as requiem for a dream uh right. we're not talking about those movies we're talking about this no. <laughs> right well th- so so this this is uh and I, we don't have to go into spoilers yet but i will say that it's it's very tarantino like mm-hmm. I said, I had not watched this one. I have watched, I'm trying to think of the, the Tarantino movies I've watched. He's only got so many. That's this big thing, right? Like, he only makes good movies that he wants to watch. Yeah, he's I've supposed seen, to, he, he's what, been quoted as saying that he's he's going to make 10 and then retire or something like that. So sure, if sure. he does a Star Trek movie, it won't count. Because that was, right. we were talking about that. I don't know if that's still a still a thing that he's going to get into a Star off. Trek movie. But. I, I, uh, I, will, I will say I did see Tarantino in person at a, at a Adobe conference that I was at and they had him as a speaker. Hmm. And um, I remember you saying, I, I didn't know a whole lot about him then. Um, and just listening to him was really great. Like I, I became, I wouldn't say a fan, but I really appreciated him mm-hmm. after that. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's the most likable guy in the world. Like, sure. I don't know if we'd be best buddies, but like I, I get all the things he says, and sometimes when you read about a person or what they think or whatever, you you kind of get this um, persona in your mind built up of them, and, um, sure. and a lot of times that can be uh, mistaken for like who they kind of really are. You know, sure. someone says, yeah. "Man, I don't I don't like this thing," right? And then that becomes all that that you like, think of them based be, on right? based on something they're quoted. You know slightly out of context or, or whatever. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. For sure. Or, or even if it is real, that's only one dimension of a whole person. Right. 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 Uh, and, and especially in Hollywood. So, you know, he, like the whole, like I've done, I'm going to do 10 movies for example, you know, that makes him feel very arrogant. But when, you know, he, you listen to the guy talk for an hour, hour and a half and, and they interview him in a very interview types, you know, manner. Um, it's it's really enlightening to hear a guy talk about you know where he's come from the things he's learned and how he doesn't know anything his experiences and 
in in life with the with movies and you know and then he's like got these great ideas and that's that's his inspiration for what he does as his job you know and it's not what everyone else thinks is the normal way of to thinking of a job um i mean he, he actually sees it as his like hobby his fun thing right you know mm. so it's kind of like once i've played all the all the the warcrafts and i've done all the things i want to do i think that's all i want to do right it's like i i don't see I, if i've done it all I don't want to do more. So that's kind of an example of where I think I would take his 10 movies as an arrogance thing just by on paper. But then when you hear him talk about it, you're like, Oh, I get why maybe you're this way. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, And I don't think you get, I don't think you get to be, uh, I'm going to use the word auteur, right. Yeah. A director whose style is so unique or distinct that it, comes through in every movie they make right we there are a handful of these obviously all the all the ones that people know are on this poster right uh um, stanley kubrick uh christopher nolan to an extent spielberg though spielberg's uh things are are a little harder to quantify he's i I would agree his his catalog is too uh vast to really um, yeah right um draw that uh coen brothers we've seen a couple of those um and and Tarantino is like one of the one of the biggest one of these currently. Like everybody knows, you know, a, a Tarantino movie is going to be a lot of long, slow, generally well written, tense dialogue, punctuated by uh, incredible, you know, almost cartoonish violence. Yeah. The 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 uh, Tarantino part is is applies to that hundred percent here right like he mm. when when i watched this movie I, I realized i didn't i didn't finish the point i was trying to make um okay. i i don't think there are too many directors who are acknowledged as auteurs that are like i don't want to say disliked but don't get at least a little bit of that like misunderstood or like being a challenge to work with um because yeah you know a someone with that level of like uh creativity i don't have a better word for that um is just going to be a kind of a demanding person right like they know what they want right like he has a clear artistic vision and is going to make that a reality and that means you know sometimes coming into conflict with people and and yeah right well the the so with tarantino I, i don't know about his like on set stuff with her but I, I do know that him his as his type of style of movies is very much noticeable and in this one is a perfect example like when i was watching this all the way through every little step i couldn't even i i saw or felt the director through it mm-hmm. or the writer or whatever the whole thing which is him and like oh yeah this is a hundred percent like every one of his other movies right yeah. they they i don't know how you describe him but in a few words of like they talk a lot mm-hmm. and it and, and a lot of it feels like just conversations that we have on the front porch like not just the show but like on the actual front porch we yeah, have with like, our friends like normal uh like irrelevant sometimes sort of dialogue where they're just they're just chatting and you're like what are they even talking about yeah and they just have these really in-depth and this is a lot in his movies all throughout his movies right where they just 
have long conversations about a topic. And then, and then it feels like, I think Tarantino movies are a lot about, I, I want to do a genre or a type of movie. And then I want to put my conversational style into that, right. right? Like in this one, it happens to be about, I don't know. I, it's hard to say about what this is about, but one aspect of it is there is like a henchman, uh, hitman, not hitman, maybe hitman or enforcers maybe. Yeah. And enforcers. it's like, okay, so we, mm-hmm. yeah. So I want, I want hitman enforcers. And then I, I like the idea of following hitman enforcers. And then let's interject my conversation style with my friends into that. And we'll just have a show about that. Like it's interesting because you're just mixing two totally separate kind of ideas. Right. It's like his, his flavor of, um, of things. So like, uh, maybe, maybe Reservoir Dogs is just his first movie. I don't know that you would compare it to anything else except maybe, maybe a heist, except you don't see the heist, right? It's like, you don't see the heist. Um, heist but this, they still do lots of talking th- th- right it's in that so right? th- that's going to be true of all of these but i th- it's it's interesting that you say that that way because this is it's called pulp fiction because it's yeah. supposedly based on those uh pulp fiction novels there's actually one that um uh john travolta's character is reading uh, in the bathroom and yeah. then you know kill bill is that that kind of uh you know um Japanese or Asian kind of sword fighting. Yeah. The Hong uh, Kong movies, Hong Kong movies genre. Yeah. And, um, grindhouse was this old, you know, like campy seventies action movie genre. And, uh, Django unchained was a kind of Western civil war kind of, um, kind of story, like, a like, um, a good, bad and the ugly kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, Hateful Eight is a more traditional Western kind of thing. But all of those, I missed one. Oh, Inglorious Bastards, World War II. Um, yeah. All of those are like their own sort of like niche genre. But again, obviously done in a way that is so Tarantino that it's that it's. And, uh, and I, honestly, know, I, I swear that his style undeniable. has got to be summed up by just that that conversation style. I mean. It, that's probably why so many people in Hollywood actors love the idea of even being in a Tarantino movie is because they're like, here's a, it's very, goes back to the very basic idea of acting when you're in school of, okay, here is the character. Here's their background. Now just have a conversation. Go. Have you right? seen, um, have you seen Inglorious Bastards? I have. Yes. Um, Actually, I enjoyed that one too, but, but that, they talk a lot. Again, like again, same Brad thing, Pitt but, talks so much, um, right? The guy, the guy who was in Alita, um, what's his name? Yeah, the, uh, the German the dad Austrian, character, Austrian guy. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to find it. I thought it would show up. Uh, Christoph Waltz, um, yes. Like him, and even the the Jewish family in that first scene where he's talking to them, and he pulls out that giant meerschaum pipe and lights it, and the the like. Uh, the the just palpable tension of that scene or or any of the any of the stuff brad pitt got to do like yeah i I can't imagine i mean i'm sure brad pitt gets plenty of 
fun roles like you know right the oceans 11 or any of its sequels maybe though those weren't as good um but the ridiculous character that he plays in inglorious bastards like that has to be so appealing to so many actors sure right Right. well you know the, the conversations that tarantino has in his movies too are are interesting in general and in the same way that why we founded this this whole podcast is the same way that we have interesting conversations with our friends about anything and everything is that we we will just go on and have these deep conversations about something that seems completely frivolous and you know and you can really start to, and sometimes not so much and uh in this movie they there's an a there's a bible verse quoted and mm-hmm. and, and they he goes on for a long bit about what that means and how it means like any, you can turn almost anything into a kind of philosophical deep discussion if you really want to. And Tarantino, I think just does that. And he puts the, in these movies and actors get to like read those conversations. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, I don't know. I don't know a lot of, um, Samuel Jackson's, uh, uh, catalog of work. Yeah. His his portfolio of work. Um, I know that, for a long time, he was sort of stereotyped as this, you know, not not necessarily angry, but for sure yelling, like yelling yeah. black man. Um, yeah. You don't get as much of those of that in, you know, the Nick Fury character. But you, if you, you know, you right. think about snakes on a plane or any number yeah, of sure. other things like I don't think this was the first time that he did that. But no, yeah. this character is so um I mean, it's so Sam Jackson. Like, you, I, I couldn't picture anybody else doing that part. And <laughs> right, sh- right. You know, it's the writing, so I'm sure that somebody else could have. But his, uh, you know, you talked about that Bible verse thing. Like, he, he does it early in the movie, and then they do it again later in the movie. I think maybe even three times. You get rule of threes there. But I think so. You're right. Um, yeah. Then the final time, it breaks down into this kind of introspective analysis. Um that right. he does in that scene with uh, with Tim Roth, um, and it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, and and, and that's what that's Tar- that's Tarantino. I think that's the thing that makes it Tarantino. And as I'm I'm watching that, and that's that's just one scene, and we, maybe the spoilers we'll talk about a little bit more. But the um, that's what Tarantino does is he puts these like just normal conversation things that have you and your good friends might have into you know long talks about something i mean think about puts it into weird situations i don't know if you remember this from uh reservoir dogs but reservoir dogs starts with this weird scene with steve buscemi about um about tipping yeah i remember that yeah and it's like that's a perfect example another example i think it's the same characters that are in the rest of the movie but the scene doesn't have anything to do with anything no um, again, just like the front porch, like stuff when we started, right, this. like, right. we just talk about things. Right. Uh, and I think he does that. It's funny. Um, you know, there's another thing directors do where they get, uh, try to get the same actors over and over. Right. If they liked working with yeah. somebody, they'll get them in another project. Steve Buscemi was in this movie. Did you catch him? Uh, yes. He was the, uh, waiter. Is it yeah, right? He was Buddy Holly, the waiter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's move into spoilers because there's some things I want to talk about, but not. Yeah, the story is a is a thing, and and I think yeah. part of the part of the big appeal of, of this, uh, even uh, in in comparison with other uh, Tarantino films. But we are going sure. to talk about the story and spoilers for Pulp Fiction, 
So if you haven't seen it, skip ahead and or go watch it and then come back if you want to do that. Okay. So it's it's weird because it so I say it's a two and a half hour movie yep. that does move very slow because it just goes on and it doesn't it meanders is the thing. I I'm putting all the bad things out there. Because they're also kind of positives about it as well. Sure. It's, it's, I, it, it sounds like I'm saying bad things, but they're kind of positive. So it's a two and a half hour movie that I watched, and I planned on watching in multiple sittings, and I watched it in one. And not necessarily because <laughs> I was glued to the screen, but because, again, as we said earlier in the non-spoiler section, the conversations are fairly interesting, right? They're, they're very, like a better term, conversational. Mm-hmm. And... And in each, and they're broken up into these sometimes acts, right? That that have a whole scene, um, like when he goes on the the date with the the wife, mm-hmm. right? And then he go, they you have the all of a sudden it changes a whole thing, and you're on the the boxer thing with Bruce Willis, right? And then now we're into the, the going back in time with Sam Jackson, the diner, you know, or the diner at the beginning. So like the, they, this doesn't have a story so much, right? It's just a collection of things that are happening. Well, it, and there is, but in what we'll, we would later uh, describe as a as a Christopher Nolan technique, the story is told all out of order. Right? We get yeah. this. We get this flashback scene of Bruce Willis as a little boy, his character Butch, getting this watch, and which is the weirdest dialogue. It's so it's so, so strange, weird. but. You have to understand why the watch is so important to him as an adult, which is that's the that's the chronological end of the movie that really yeah. comes in somewhere around two thirds of the way through, I think. Yeah, it's really told out of order. And I don't I don't necessarily know if well, I'll, I'll just say I don't think it does. I don't think it has any matter because that's why i said i don't feel like there's a real story because because it's told in in that order there's no real reason for that like we see at the end that they have the diner scene right when they leave the diner the movie it, the movie starts and ends at that diner right is, but there's no really, real reason for that there's, yeah. there's no like thing that you you come out and you're like oh now i feel that like in a nolan movie you have a resolution to why things are told in a certain way this doesn't feel like that matters at all Right, that you didn't learn anything from that scene. I mean, you kind of did, but it could have been told in order, and it wouldn't have changed things. Yeah, that's hard to say. Like, I think, and I'm sure that somebody has done this. Right, I'm, it would be trivially easy to take, you know, a, a video file of this movie and edit it around so that it's chronological. And I bet, yeah. I bet that the story is not as interesting because there's not there's no like like mysteries or or twists or and I mean there's not none of that but like it's pretty straightforward like there yeah these, there's that's what I said there's nothing really in there here are these that guys matters going about their day and they go in to you know to enforce these guys and take a couple of them out and they accidentally shoot this guy and they clean it up and then um. And then the boss, Marcellus Wallace, wants to uh, fix this boxing fight, Bruce Willis' boxing fight. And he goes to the fight and 
accidentally kills the other boxer but doesn't realize it and then he finds out and he's on the run and he has to go back for his watch that his father hid up his ass in a pow camp right in the war and and he finds one of those two enforcers waiting for him at his house and kills him and then goes back to his to the hotel gets his girl and they leave like it's a really straightforward story yeah yeah i i agree and it's i I, that's what i said i I still don't know if it would change anything. like i I don't know if i don't know if understanding because i think in that last diner scene for example you start to learn understand more of samuel l jackson's character but i don't think like after after you see him sam jackson in the when they first go into the bar wearing the weird the outfits, right? And mm-hmm. you, that's the that you don't see him again until like the third act, and it doesn't have then the time thing doesn't really matter to his character either. Like it, it just it just doesn't um, when he because it does it doesn't change anything at the beginning of the movie, and you also you know that that um, uh, John Travolta's character is dead. He dies mm-hmm. at some point, right. but that doesn't necessarily affect the the act that's at the end that should be in the middle. Like that doesn't matter that he's going to die. It's not like you you all of a sudden you have an epiphany. You're like, oh, he resolved something, and then when he was in that bathroom, it all connects together. Like it doesn't. It's just like a random death in the middle of the movie that has a character that we see again later, but doesn't really matter. So I I, I guess the the chronological jumping was fine from a auteur standpoint but i don't know if it unlike the nolan movies like the nolan movies you cannot watch them in order they are it's it's key that you are presented things in a certain manner for certain things i don't know if this movie needed that it's it's fine it's, it doesn't hurt but it also just brings it around that it really doesn't matter what you're watching in this movie because it's just about what's happening right now for the next 10 minutes mm-hmm. i mean really honest to god that's all that matters it's like a Maybe it's 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes to 20, 30 minutes. Each, each one of those yep. 20 to 30 minutes is, is self-contained and that's all that matters. They have the, what is it? The, the whole episode where he's, it feels like a show episode where the girl, the wife ODs, right? right? Right. Like that is huge. And then it happens and then it's done and then it's never, doesn't matter. Right. It's just done. Uh, when Bruce Willis gets away with the thing and that happens in the third act. And you go back to the cleaning of the household and everything like that Mm -hmm. of the the car. Sorry. That has nothing to do with anything, right? It doesn't affect anything. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, it really does. If I'm looking for, if I'm looking for it and I think part of, um, you know, I've heard or said recently, like the movies that, that stand out as being good or great are ones that people think about after they've watched them and think about them. You know, they're more sure. thought provoking, whether like not in a, not in a lesson moralizing kind of way, though that's definitely true in certain cases, but that's what I said about Memento. That was the first movie I saw where I was thinking about it for days because the, the story kind of messes with you the way that it's presented. Um, and I think that mechanic done here has the same sort of effect. So we're talking about it now and I'm thinking back, like I've seen this a couple times and I don't know. I mean, it was a long time ago that I saw it last, but um, 
when I got to the end, I was just like, okay, cool. End of the story. And then before we started recording, I was thinking about the narrative again. And I'm like, oh, John Travolta gets killed. So we're at this thing at the end. And I think what we're supposed to see, maybe, and this is just me sort of guessing at that, which I think is the point. Like it's a, again, the Christopher Nolan, like inception kind of thing where some questions aren't answered. Um, I think the the story with Samuel L. Jackson and the Bible verse and the and the kid dying and the diner scene sort of progress to him making some kind of decision that is why John Travolta is at Butch's house by himself. Okay, maybe, maybe. sure. And again, I think that that's left to us to to come up with. Like he's going through this sort of quote unquote spiritual journey. And, um, you know, so he maybe doesn't, cause he's not there with, um, the, uh, Vincent. Um, Bruce Willis, John Travolta scene. And so, mm. you know, you wonder why, like, I didn't wonder why at the time, because the scene was too intense, right? Like yeah. Bruce Willis is there and he's in his house and he sort of relaxes, lets his guard down. And I am so on edge. I'm like. I don't remember what happened in this movie, but I can tell something's about to happen. Like it is just too tense and he is being too casual. And then, yeah. you know, they go through the whole scene. Like it's not until now talking about it that I'm thinking back and going, where, why was he and, and Sam Jackson were together for the whole movie. Like every, yeah. every time you see one of them, you see the other, but except for that one time. And I'm like, okay. I wonder if that yeah, I'm, I, is, I bet is that, connected to, to that. I, I get it, but it kind of it almost feels like we're we're bridging into the capital A art type thing instead of like just for art's sake, not necessarily for because if you had been told that in order and you find out it would have it actually would have made that scene you understand why he's not there. You like I didn't I I felt the same way you felt. I didn't ask the question where's Sam Jackson that was finally answered later. It just did there was other things it just wasn't that big a deal and then and then now that it was over i can see like oh that's why he's not there but it wasn't a question or anything else but if i'd seen it in order i would have been like oh if he'd only been there but he you know i saw his journey and it ended and this caused him that would have all clicked together at the time it should have happened um but because of the capital a art they want you to like we want you to challenge you to kind of go back and rethink about the time like okay i get that but it you know it was fine you're you're doing the a art thing for me um, okay. So anyway, with, with that whole thing is that it was okay. I mean, the, the time skipping thing was okay. I didn't think it was a, a big thing with it. I think the most important part about the show was the, the 20 minute intervals of you're just in the moment talking about whatever's happening right now. And that's interesting. And the dialogue was interesting enough at each time that I kept wanting to go on to the next one. Right. It kind of felt like bite-sized moments. I, I couldn't, I, I said that I, I said that I saw this a while ago and this was a similar kind of thing to when we watched Godfather, when we watched, um, Big Lebowski, there are a lot of quotable lines in this movie. And there's one that I picked up from one of the early, uh, movie podcasts that I assume is still going called film spotting, um, is when, uh, John Travolta says that's a bold statement and it's a, yeah. it's not a line like a Monty Python line. It's a line that's just a, a 
interesting way to say something that is applicable in everyday life. And um, the podcaster I listen to a lot, Merlin Mann, he quotes from all three of these movies. Um, and sometimes it's obvious, right? If it's like a Big Lebowski line, it's usually pretty obvious. Um, but he'll also deploy lines from this movie like, oh, you know, look at the big brain on you, you know, or um, <laughs> ah, there were a couple other ones that I couldn't I couldn't remember. Like say what again is a is a good um is a good line boy I'm, I'm now i'm not going to think of any more of them but um i hit a point watching this movie where i went is this the movie where they have to call in the wolf and he does or is that a, <laughs> i don't know how far we're going i haven't seen anything like that so maybe i'm thinking of a different movie and then right you know they get to the they get to the catalyzing event for that sequence and I'm, oh no that yep that's this movie um, that's this movie and yeah. it yeah, which, I, which again it you don't know if it matters. It's that, partly, that's a perfect example. Part, that's Does, partly that me having watched it a long time ago and partly, uh, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, as you say, bite-sized chunks or the episodic nature of this of this story. Like, um, Big Lebowski is a little bit that way, although its narrative runs straight through. Um, uh, a Christmas Story, right, about the, about the BB gun. That's the same yeah. sort of thing where there are these just little chunks of stories. There's a story about a lamp. There's a story about the decoder pin. There's a story about the kid right. and the flagpole. Right. Like, right. They're they're told in order, but if you asked somebody to describe that movie, the events in the order they happened, they probably would have a hard time because they're uh, right. they're right. these sort of as you, you know episodic chunks. I, that's that's very that's a, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's a, that's a perfect way to describe some of this is that that Christmas story type thing and it is, you're right that's a really well said thing about how. That's hard to describe. Same way this Pulp Fiction is hard to describe. And I understand now why people had a hard time telling me why they liked it or what they thought it was about. You know, because I, when I asked them, like, I try to ask them what it's about, they couldn't really tell me. And 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 I and I to this yeah. day, I I don't know if I could tell people that too. It's like, is what this is where we started. What is the story? Is the story the Bruce Willis character's story? Is it Vince's story? Is it the Hitman's story? Because all of it happens, but it's it's not. None of it's really always one hundred percent direly important to each one. I said earlier the the OD wife isn't important to the whole movie, but it's a big scene. Uh, the the bartender or the diner scene is important, kind of to other parts, but not really to the overall story. Whatever the overall story is, like which which story is the overall? And then you get into the wolf scene. If you took the wolf scene out, I don't think it would matter at all. Although it's a great whole scene. Right. 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 So it's just another episode that you can watch that's pretty, pretty good, but doesn't, doesn't affect the big story overall. Right. Yeah. It's so, so weird. So anyway, I guess we can move out of, of the spoilers into the thing. It, I will say that it's weird. Mm -hmm. It's episodic mm -hmm. in the spoiler section. Dennis mentioned and called it. Uh, what did you compare it to? The Christmas story. Christmas story. And uh, to a lesser extent, Big Lebowski. Um, yeah. A collection of these mini stories that are interconnected. It does it. The, the, has its own thing. The quote unquote gimmick of the movie does that episodic storytelling in a more overt way where the episodes, this is 
not really a spoiler because I imagine most people know this. The episodes are presented out of order. Yeah, um, right, right. And 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 you don't necessarily need to watch them in order, but they can have some effect, kind of. So it's it's well done. I think uh, my final thought on that is that I think uh, it's entertaining. Uh, fun. I think the dialogue is good. It's Tarantino kind of esque dialogue. So if you liked his other ways that he writes, and the, if you've seen any of his other movies and how they have long talks about kind of nothing, but kind of becomes deep, that that you'll get more of that in this one. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Um, I and I, and I could I could watch this one again simply because I enjoy those conversations the same way. If you have a good conversation with a friend, you can talk about that same conversation again and, and have an enjoyment with it. Uh, sure. And I could do that with this one and listen, listen to them have that thing. And all the actors, we all know they're great, superb actors, but they're great. Like, right. They in the roles that they play. I mean, the when only on the, screen, it's great. The only weak uh, acting in this whole movie is when, uh, uh, Tarantino shows up in front of the camera, and, <laughs> which and is even, generally when he does. Right. And even and even that was fine. Like that was just the nature of that character he was playing. Um, yeah, yeah, I I don't even know what question I would answer for this. Like, if you're doing a move a list like this, 100 move like absolutely this movie goes on here. Um, we had both this one and Reservoir Dogs. I don't know that you necessarily need to see them both. I think I would like to have slipped uh either inglorious bastards or django unchained in there um though that's a hard call i haven't seen either of those in a while um this is really just the like you know uh it's the one of these that everybody um that everybody would say it's the it's the holy grail monty python's holy grail it is whatever however that that phrasing is supposed to go uh, this movie is to Tarantino as Holy Grail is to Monty Python. There we go. I got yeah. It. yeah. Um, it's it's the one like you know it does all of the the it does Tarantino, all of Tarantino Tarantino yeah. things. So unless you now all that to say, um, if you are put off by uh, you know crime, uh, violent crime, murder, um, um. Uh, excessive drug use excessive Excessive profanity um you're not going to enjoy this movie um yeah yeah that that was something i i guess it doesn't go spoilers too or we could say if you're okay with all of those things like if you watch uh guy Ritchie movies like snatch and um yeah um i don't know lock stock or lock stock right uh any of those like um you're gonna be you're gonna be fine with this um, yeah, I would agree with that. But that's yeah. the that's the big disclaimer. It's like it's it's very uh, rough from a like you know how, uh, you know don't watch it with your kids in the room kind of. Yeah, thing. I mean he he puts those in there intentionally, and and you're right. People watching it like who doesn't who don't like that stuff could say like, well, that's gratuitous and doesn't need to be in there. And you know, you could probably say that for every single one of Tarantino's movies. It's, it's a, it's a deterrent for me liking kill bill. And mm-hmm. uh, like, it's, it's the reason probably I don't like kill bill. Cause it's just, I don't like any of, it doesn't need to be in there. It doesn't feel like, but they put it ex- excess with it. And they, same thing here. There's, they put drug use in there. They don't need to put the amount of, it almost borders what it feels like is aggrandizing it making mm. it you know seem sure sure 
big and and like glamour. Okay, how many times do they actually need? I get that we're trying to tell the point that they're high here. They don't need to keep going like six times to to, to show that this person's taking another hit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 got that, or right. or there's no reason to keep talking about how much gore and brains and stuff like that is here. We get it, right? Um, it's yeah. just Tarantino's way. It's just what he does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I liked Reservoir Dogs, but I think that someone who's making this list was like, I believe Tarantino has a singular kind of voice that's, um, and his, it's, it's good to see and to experience. So we, you should have that experience of the dialogue and the conversation in weird experience, weird, uh, situations and scenarios um and you should experience that that's why we're going to put him on this list and they put two of his movies his, probably because they liked it that much his first two movies interestingly his first two movies and and i i don't know if i think i would agree with that i would agree that that tarantino is worth watching for to experience that um and and if you enjoy that you should watch all of his movies because they're all kind of like that mm-hmm. but um, and I would probably say, yeah, Pulp Fiction is probably the one of all, I've seen most all of them now. I can't think of one now that you mentioned that I have not seen. And I think that's the one that does it the best, continues continuously from minute to minute, keeps you entertained and in that mode of what he's doing uh, the whole time, more than anyone. Hateful Eight is an all, another long one, but you get it, it winds around and, and, even, uh, the, even when the, the German one has the same way. Yeah. Know? Even when the characters aren't talking because there's so much talking and that's, you know, his style. Yeah. Th- there's so much talking that when there's not talking, there's automatic tension, right? It's automatic. And, and then, then he addresses it, right? Like right. And then, it, you know, has some, uh, some, conclusion, some meaning. But. Yeah. So, so this one, yeah. You know what? I, I've kind of come down before we had to talk about this. I wasn't sure where I would put this on my list. I know you said like, it's a no brainer for me. I wasn't sure. But mm-hmm. now that we're talking about the big picture of the whole thing, having this conversation, I think I would agree. I think, you know, Tarantino does have a unique voice and uh, his his movies are unique in their way. And they're worth, I would suggest someone experiencing that. And this is probably the movie that I would tell them to do it with. Um, and, and you know what? If they said... I really enjoyed that. Then I would say, great. You've got seven more movies that you can enjoy that with to varying <laughs> degrees. Right. Yeah. Whether I would put reservoir dogs on a must see list along with that. I don't know. Depends on your, your penchant for this kind of style. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, if there's one, if there's one Tarantino, this is probably the one to watch. Not that I didn't like reservoir dogs. I definitely did. And I think, you know, now that I've watched them all, I'd say I'm a Tarantino fan. Not a huge fan, but I, I, if he made another one, I'd probably watch it. Sure. Okay, so that leaves us with Star Wars, right? That's left the, after we do the Deer Hunter one, and then it's Star Wars. That's all we have left, right? Yep, that's that's the whole list. Wow, man. We're we're coming close. We, You and I better do some powwows with uh, our next steps things uh, on stuff. What are we going to do without the 2020 challenge? It's gonna well, be we, we are going right into... The holiday season, I know that right. um, our buddy uh, uh, Brian Cogswell we had on talk about Casablanca yeah. <laughs> said we should watch the Star Wars holiday special. I don't know if Oof. I am quite up for that, but 
we might. Well, I don't know. We we should. You know, I don't think I've seen it since it was on when I was a kid. So yeah, we might with. we might dig in and see if there are any um, holiday holiday classics that the other haven't seen, or maybe revisit one we haven't seen in a long time. Um, right. As we're as we're going into the holiday season, I'm I'm, um, I'm looking forward to to well as first off for this is I I hope you don't make me watch that one year you made us watch uh, the the Christmas Prince like one two three and four and some well there <laughs> are only movies. there are only three and I watched all of them there's <laughs> not going to be a fourth one much to my my dismay uh, if there was ever a time when we needed stupid ridiculous nonsensical uh, um, Christmas rom com satire uh it would be it would be 2020 but alas yeah, that's true I, I i i occasionally follow uh uh i can't remember her name but she played winnie cooper on the wonder year wonder years when oh, i was a kid yeah 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 she she i follow her on tiktok and she she likes to post um she does a lot of hallmark those hallmark movies mm-hmm. and and so she i'll see her posts all the time and it'll be like this is what we're doing with the the winter snow, and she's wearing her like what you think is Hallmark outfit, and like the yep. the the male lead across from her is the same kind of classic male lead. Like I don't even know what the movie's about, but I can tell you what the movie's about. Right, right, it's, right. It's pretty great, the, the, and you're seeing the behind the scenes the, of it. The like, front cover is either red or green with yep. some pun about snow, and it's a right. tall white guy and a shorter white girl. I follow right. um, totally. Uh, similar sort of story. I followed Lacey Chabert, who was in Party mm-hmm. of Five, and we saw her in um, uh, Mean Girls. Oh yeah, right. Um, yeah. And she's the same thing. Her career is all Hallmark movies now. But she did one like two years ago called uh, what is it called? Pride, Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. <laughs> and I was I was home alone for a whole weekend like last christmas season and i watched that movie and it was dumb and predictable but still kind of a fun like you know check your brain at the door kind of sure well those 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 ladies that we just described they you know it's funny they they feel like that's just their kind of personality anyway they Mm -hmm. they're doing work that's wholesome and uplifting and good and inspirational in their own way and it feels like it kind of like echoes probably their own not I, real personalized, but their I don't, own I don't, I don't know about inspirational, but wholesome for sure. Whole, wholesome. We'll say that much, right? Yeah. <laughs> All that, right. That kind of a thing. Let's, uh, we're, we're running a little long here, so let's, sure. let's wrap it up. So you've been listening to the right. Front Porch. This is episode 169. Uh, thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Uh, check out Geek Scholars. They put up a new episode, finally. Um, they've been in kind of a hiatus since there's... Very little movie news to talk about. Yeah. Uh, if you like Star Trek role-playing and don't mind watching something that is at least as foul as a Tarantino movie, you can listen to our other podcast. It's called Klingons and Dragons. It's a Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. I put up a new episode last week. Uh, yeah, don't play it with your kids in the room. Um, <laughs> if, if you have suggestions, as I keep saying every week, we're coming to the end of our poster here. So if you have ideas for, for movies we should watch or... Even other, you know, like Netflix shows or or whatever kind of thing, um, you can contact us on our website. There are contact forms there, or if you're old school and want to use email, that address is frontporchpod at gmail dot com. I don't think I said the website address. It is frontporchpodcast dot com. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. As always, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, I'm Dennis. 
And I'm Michael. The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.